It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, we draft the most underwhelming team of Minnesota Vikings. You don't want to miss that. Willie Beavers. Hey, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. During the draft, we may discuss the difference between a monster and a jerk-off. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. I just can't wait to see which version of Luke Braun shows up today. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Me too. Oh my goodness. That's all I have to say. Let's get into the Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. What's up, everybody? It's the Minnesota Football Party on a Thursday with the full crew. Myself, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman, Luke Braun, at Luke Braun NFL, and Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network, at Arif Hassan NFL. On today's show, three Vikings to keep, three Vikings to cut. Who do we go with? Excited to get into that debate. Plus, is Mike Pettin actually not as bad a choice as you might assume? Plus, the underwhelming Vikings draft coming up along with Ron Johnson's Thursday appearance. Today's show is presented by our new partner, FanDuel. The official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And you can find Locked On Sports Minnesota in a variety of ways on the Amazon Fire and Roku apps. Get them on your smart TV. Watch us on the big screen. You can also see those videos on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Smash that subscribe button and we're free and available on your favorite podcast app. Uh, Let's begin here, gentlemen. Keep three, cut three. I have given you a list of six Vikings veterans potentially on the chopping block. They are Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith. You must take cap into account. So if you elect to keep them, you are not assuming a restructure. You must keep them at their number. Who are you keeping? Who are you cutting? I begin with Luke Inman. I really wish you at least would have put Jordan Hicks in there just to have one Too easy. easy one. Too yeah, just easy. have one. E- They're all so difficult when you look at how much dead cap you're sitting with after just outright cutting the majority of these. Hicks, again, clean, what, $5.5 million off the books? I think they strategically set up that contract for a clean break this offseason if they wanted to, which I would assume they will. But anyways, I think I'm starting with Cook. I think we talked about it yesterday in the football party. In no way am I saying that running the ball isn't important, but paying your running back 15 
15 million or more. Just it doesn't always equate to success in the NFL. The four teams who are paying the most for their running backs in the NFL didn't make the playoffs. Packers and Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry and the Titans, Nick Chubb and the Browns, Alvin Kamara and the Saints. And I mentioned this as well, three 1,500-yard rushers this year. None of them made the playoffs either. Josh Jacobs along with Chubb and Henry. So I think it's kind of similar how we always talk about paying a starting quarterback rookie money and what it allows you to do with the rest of the roster. Kind of on a similar, smaller scale, finding a cheap running back that can offer just above average production. That's a huge advantage to building your roster when you weigh out the pros and cons. And I think as much as we all love Dalvin, I think just the production last year, for whatever reason, never came close to the price. So even with the $6 million dead, saving $8 million, rolling with Ken A and Ty, maybe another day three rookie. I think that's the biggest no-brainer. Then it gets really difficult, though. Thielen, you save about six and a half. Harry, you save about eight. Zadarius, you can save about 13 and a half. Kendricks, a I think it's nine. Hunter, tell me if I looked at that wrong. I think you're actually in the negative. The dead yeah. cap. Mm-hmm. Is 18 million and the base is 13. And a giant restructure last yeah. offseason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, kind so of a mute point, yeah. right? Because I'm not cutting Hunter anyways. Too good. Got to keep some of these guys. And honestly, no one's seen more of a traditional box safety. Bynum, don't really trust him as a center fielder right now. I'm not cutting Harrison Smith. You got to keep some of these core defensive pieces. Maybe as wild as it sounds. I think Zedarius Smith, just given the least amount of dead cap on the books, I think it's only $3 million. He's going to be 31 next season, plus seeing him fall off the last second half of the season. On top of that, out of all the positions when you look at the Vikings, I think Edge, you at least have some viable depth to roll with, Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham in a worst-case scenario. So maybe as unpopular as it probably is, just for this exercise, I'm going to cut Zedarius, take the almost 14 extra million, I really want there's guys like Arden Key maybe Marcus Davenport out in free agency for half the price and then it comes down to for me Thielen or Kendricks Thielen has so much more dead cap 11 and a half million more just wasted I just hate all this dead cap plus I think too if I were to cut Thielen I feel like you're almost pigeonholed to draft a receiver early in the draft which I don't necessarily want to do with such a great cornerback class at the top the wide receiver free Mm -hmm. agents just from a quick glance aren't great either linebacker even if I cut both Hicks and Kendricks and roll with Asamoah History shows you might be able to find a serviceable linebacker in the third or fourth round. So Cook, Z, Kendricks saved about 30, 31 million with three guys. Two of those guys are going to be 31 at the start of next season anyways. A tough exercise for sure, Sam, but that gives me a huge chunk of money to dump back into free agency, maybe re-sign Alexander Madison if I want, re-sign Dalvin Tomlinson, maybe Patrick Peterson, and most importantly, I think, now you got money to extend guys like Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, Zedarius seems like the biggest like puzzler to me. Arif, what would you do? Uh, I don't think that the defensive end or I guess edge rusher depth is there. I do not trust DJ Wanham or Patrick Jones to take the leap. I'm keeping Zedarius. To me, there's three players that have underproduced. They are Eric Kendricks, Davin Cook, and Adam Thielen. I love Eric Hendricks. I would not want to cut him, but this scenario requires that you cut three, and there are three players that underproduced. Those are the three that go in the chopping block. I know that we have to take cap into account, and sure, I'm willing to do that. Daniel Hunter obviously is a lock in that scenario, kind of regardless. But Zedarius Smith freeing up $13 million, what are you going to do with that? Get another Zedarius Smith? Like, that's the goal if you cut him, right? And mm-hmm. you might as well just keep Zedarius Smith at that point in hopes that you you know, like save 13, like it's, you know, what's, what's in the box. It could be another boat. I don't want to do that. 
I know what I have in Zedarius <laughs> Smith. He's good. He's worth the extra $13 million to keep her cut, right? So uh, for that, for me, it's easy. Harrison Smith, yeah, you save eight. Uh, again, um, the goal is to get somebody as good as Harrison Smith. Um, and I don't mean like 2017, 2019 Harrison Smith. I mean 2022 Harrison Smith. It would be tough to find that even then. So, um, you know, I, I, I view the players that I'm cutting as having production. This is not talent. Production that is potentially replaceable. Now, remember, I've defended Thielen all season in terms of the way that he's played, how often he gets open, and, and how he does when he's targeted. I do think that Eric Kendricks is not at the end of his career. I do think that he has been put into a bad position and that he can play well with the right defensive coordinator. I, I almost refuse to believe that he has dropped off this egregiously, but there are athleticism concerns. I am just going to take the guys that produced well. I, that seems very simple to me. Um, so yeah, you could save three million here, eight million here, but those—that's what I'm doing. So you're keeping Smith, Smith, and Hunter, correct? Yeah. That and I have the ex- exact same logic as you, Arif. Um, Luke Braun, are you on Arif's side? Or are you on Luke's side or a different side? I, I think I'm on the same three people. Yeah, the the Daniel Hunter thing, especially if we can't do like clever cap stuff. Um, that's obviously a uh, you kind of have to keep him because it doesn't even save you money in 2023. Uh, Zadarius Smith is the single guy on here that can s- save you the most money, but like Arif kind of said, that money doesn't replace him. Like that isn't a profitable move, even though it saves you the most like raw cash. Um, the rule about not being able to do clever cap things is a bummer because both uh, Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen's contract, the way I look at them, they seem like they are designed to re to go back to the negotiating table this off season and see what happens. So if the options are cut or keep that kind of goes against like the design of all of it. And um, unfortunately cutting those guys, doesn't save you all that much money. You save six and a half with million with uh, Thielen and you save about seven and a half with Harrison Smith. Um, you save almost eight, 7.9 with Dalvin cook. So I'll cut Dalvin cook. Um, I will cry and cut Eric Kendricks. I, I hate that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but perhaps he can go somewhere where he <laughs> is talents are appreciated on the defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that kind of leaves me choosing between Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen on sort of the same, very similar. Yeah, cap sort number. of the same, the same cap number. Which and it's just kind of which player would I rather keep? And I think with the way that those rooms are constructed, I would rather keep Harrison Smith. So yeah, I'm on the same three guys. Yeah. So we're we're keeping the defensive vets who seem to have something left in the tank, and we are getting rid of generally, except for Luke. We're getting rid of Dalvin and Thielen. And to be honest, I don't know how much it weakens the offense. Like, I think the offense, I think it, offense would continue, I think, at about 85% capacity before replacing those bodies. And then you you find replacements, and I think it gets it up to 90. Like, I think it's a, a small drop. Yeah, you, for, you could even potentially upgrade. I mean, let's not, again, I think Thielen is, is has done well, but I think mm-hmm. that, it is possible for you to come out of that process at 105% instead of 90%. Like I, yeah. it, 
yeah, I, I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility, especially, you know, what we saw at the uh, end of the season with KJ Osborne, because you could just say, hey, KJ Osborne's going to replace Thielen. Now we just need to replace KJ Osborne. That's like an easier task. Um, this is the third time I will have quoted this stat on Locked on Sports Minnesota this week, but I just want to tell uh, Luke and Reef because I think it's interesting. Dalvin Cook's eight-man box percentage went from 30% Jefferson's rookie year to 26% the next year to 19% this year. So in theory, he should have gotten more and more efficient and instead Justin got Jefferson less effect. and less efficient with a negative yards over expected this year uh oh okay so the yards over expected is is a salient point but i'll say this about that um i don't know how much of that is the justin jefferson effect so much as the kevin o'connell effect um not only does he pass much more often uh than than mike zimmer offenses do uh but they you know put three wide receivers on the field more often so you're less likely to match with the linebacker and they spread out the offense more often, so you're less likely to have your overhang defender inside the box, so you're not going to have uh, eight in the box there. And running back efficiency is generally dictated by um, plus one, minus one in terms of blockers rather than the number of defenders. So if you have eight in the box and eight blockers, you're fine. If you have eight in the box and seven blockers, you're, you've got a problem. And so that that is kind of, but like rush yards over expected from next gen does take all that into account. So the fact that his efficiency plummeted, which I would argue is independent of that, uh, is worth noting. I did also crunch his uh, his missed tackles forced per touch because I felt like it was much worse this year, and actually it wasn't. It was like right on par with the year before. Um, Sam, what was his yards over expected? the previous two years as well, like Jefferson's rookie years, first year. And then you said it was in the negative yeah. this year. Was that a noticeable drop off? Was that a slight subtle drop off? Was it kind of similar? Well, he's never been negative before. So it was definitely a career low. I can't remember top of head, like how significant the drop was. Um, but I think it was, he was near the bottom noticeable. in the league in yards yeah. over expected this year. Yeah. Right. If not dead last. Yep. Yeah. He was, he yeah. was bottom 10 for sure. For sure. Um, Okay, quick on-air production meeting. We're going to talk Petten. We're going to talk nerdy stat of the day. Ron Johnson needs a quick in-and-out interview. Arif will take his little call that he has, and then we will have our underwhelming Vikings draft. All right, before I tell you why Mike Petten is not a terrible choice for Vikings defensive coordinator, I'm going to tell you about FanDuel and our new betting partner, the Locked On Network, they are one of the top sports books in the world. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. And this is how you get started at FanDuel. Start making your account, make a $5 bet, get $150 in free bets guaranteed. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, uh, FanDuel has all your favorite bets, money lines, point spreads, player props, same game parlays. We'll be making a $500 parlay at the very end of the show. So check out check it out on their app. Safe, secure, easy to use. Remember, $5 bet. Get $150 at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. Guys, I don't think any of you would agree with this, but I don't think Mike Pettin is a horrible choice. I've, I've talked myself into Mike Pettin as an internal hire. Here's why. Tell me why I'm wrong. Seems like a courtesy interview on the surface. But I'm not going to devalue the continuity aspect. 
because he knows the, the personnel that he's worked with for one year. So I think I think that's a plus for him. Even though he might have been part of the problem with Donatel, I'm still going to put a lot of that on Donatel. Um, Mike Pettin, 7 out of 10 years as an HC or a DC, had a top 10 pass defense, which obviously that needs the most fixing on the Vikings. And the other two of those other three years, they were 12th and 14th. So always in the top half, almost the top 10. Pettin was let go from Green Bay in part because he was not LaFleur's guy. Not necessarily because he was a bad defensive coordinator. LaFleur just wanted his guy. Pettin's defenses in Green Bay were 9th and 13th. Um, now, there was a little bit of criticism from LaFleur about how loose his coverage was. Sound familiar? So that's maybe a red flag. But he was a huge upgrade from Dom Capers. I don't hate Mike Pettin. Why should I not like Mike Pettin? Is it because he's in-house? Is it because he was in the building? He has the stench of Ed Donatel? Luke Braun, tell me why I'm wrong. I went over this at length on uh, Locked on Vikings today. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. It's, um, I guess my question of, about Mike Pettin is, what problem does this solve? Um, and if your argument is, well, it makes the coverage better, then I, I guess that would be the the pitch. But if that's a good argument, what? <laughs> but I don't believe it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was just like, uh, it's a weird thing to dismiss. Is what I was just getting at. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, well, I was, I was getting there. I I don't believe that he will fix the coverage because the problem with the coverage is the same problem that Petten coverages had. Um, and. Yeah, there is a little bit of unless your argument is that Ed Donatel and Ed Donatel specifically was the issue inside the defensive room and everybody else in that defensive room was doing just fine, which I think is a little too charitable to everybody else in that defensive room. Uh, I I kind of feel like, yeah, there is a little bit of blame for uh, Mike Pettin. I get that he's very close to Kevin O'Connell and kind of a mentor to Kevin O'Connell. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do not think that this solves enough problems. Okay. Um, I, I don't really view it as like problem solution in the same way. Like to me, it's just, will it improve the defense or not? And obviously you want to balance that against the potential other candidates, but um there, there are like some pretty interesting circumstances, right? With, with like looking at Mike Patton defenses. So for example, the 2013 Buffalo bills were what, like 20th in points allowed. Uh, they were fourth in DVOA. They had an all time awful offense headed up by EJ Manuel, gave them awful field position, terrible turnover luck, right? Fourth in DVOA, right? These are pretty good defenses. Generally speaking, I think the 2018 green Bay Packers defense was not great, but I think the following two defenses in DVOA, just a loose approximation of EPA, um, we're in the top half, right? Generally speaking, he has not coordinated bad defenses. I don't count the head coach years because he wasn't calling plays for Cleveland. I don't think he was that involved. Um, so I like I, I don't really like there is a, a huge negative reputation for him based off of, you know, quote unquote, what happened in Green Bay, which I find interesting because Green Bay has just not found a defensive coordinator over like the past seven years, like they just haven't been good on defense. And like, at what point are we, are we going to assign that completely to a defensive coordinator? Um, if you want to dismiss the early years uh, with the New York jets uh, or Baltimore, just because of how talented those units were, that's fine. 
But I think that like uncovering a lot of that Buffalo Bills defense, like Nigel Bradham and Aaron Searcy and Jairus Bird, who did not succeed anywhere else, by the way, got a huge contract in New Orleans, did not succeed anywhere else. Right. That I mean, that defense was good. It was really good. Like Kyle Williams, Marcel Darius, like it was a good defense, right? And a lot of that defense was not good before he arrived, which is why he got a head coaching job immediately afterwards. I'm not promising that he would be a good defensive coordinator. I just don't understand why there's a negative reputation attached to him as a DC. Like it just like it doesn't yeah. make sense to me. And I, I think too, knowing what happened to his predecessor, it's not as if Patton is gonna say, All right, run it back. Run it back, guys. Same thing we learned last year. Let's do it. There's well, he, obviously he's going super to be flexible a... in his coverages. Like you take yeah. a look at what he did with the Jets. Like a very, very much. I mean, having Darrell Revis is like a really, but like, like very much like blitz heavy man coverage type stuff. With the Buffalo Bills, it was a little bit different. They did do a lot of cover one, but it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as blitz heavy. Uh, it was it, they they mixed coverages a fair amount. Green Bay was a lot of cover three, cover six stuff. Like it was. They're all different coverages. Like, I don't know why he would necessarily be married to a coverage type. Now, obviously, Kevin O'Connell has a preference for what he wants the pre-snap look to look like, which is going to dictate to some level what kind of coverages you're capable of running because that's where your players are just going to start the snap off at. But uh, he seems like he's flexible enough to adapt the coverage to the players that he has based off of his history as a defensive coordinator. Like, I, I don't know. It, uh, the the objections that I have seen, and I have not searched for them, so I maybe haven't seen a lot of them, to Mike Pettin seem to largely be objections to like what he did in Green Bay, which is like, well, the people before him, the people after him didn't do well either. Um, or mm -hmm. uh, what uh, what Donatel does, which is like not historically all that related to what Mike Pettin has done. So I don't know, man. Here's Pettin's DVOA defenses. Like you said, started out red hot with the Jets. Rex Ryan, Daryl Reeves, great defense. So if you want to put an asterisk by that, you can. But first, yeah, six, just run man tenth. coverage. You got Antonio Cromartie and Daryl Reeves. <laughs> yeah, what are we just doing? Do it. Yeah. Um, and then, as Arif mentioned, the 2013 Bills, defensive coordinator, fourth DVOA in the league. And then with the Packers, 29th and then a big leap forward, but still middle of the pack, 15th and then 17th in 2019 and 2020. So started out red hot. The Bills year, I'm with Arif, the Bills year really sticks out to you with what he did with that player personnel. I would prefer a fresh approach. Brian Flores seems to be the big buzz name. I would love it. You go get him one or two legit corners. Desai, you guys kind of talked me into that. Arif, your breakdown on him, what he could do with just our player personnel with that background, possibly introducing more of a hybrid 4-3-3-4, maximizing whatever players they do best. I was really intrigued with that. I do understand your guys' point as far as like, he's not as stubborn as maybe people are making it sound and he did show some flexibility this year and to your point sam like he's not just gonna run it back copy and paste all right let's try it again all right it's gonna be different this time with less defensive veterans on the team this time around <laughs> right. so i get it i personally i would like to start fresh start clean new approach especially the options out there i'm intrigued again by flores and desai but i don't think it would be the worst thing in the world like a lot of people are making it sound if they did run it back yeah. Is there, do we like, how do we know that Brian Flores would be good? Like, I, I genuinely don't, I am also, I don't think we know that any, that right, any of these guys would be good. I, that's right, why I'm it, trying to approach it as like, okay, what, what is the strategy that it represents? And do I like that strategy? But I don't know. <laughs> Wait, it, it's just, it's just like, there's like, there's differing levels of excitement about a bunch of these names. And it just feels like there's very little information that would tell us very much about, 
yeah. about how these I, people I'm, were performing. Well, I mean, if well, we're Petten's going off the DVOA with Petten, then we can go off the DVOA with Flores, who was 11th and 10th in Miami yeah, like the in 2021. Right? Like he, he wasn't calling plays, right? Yeah, Petten yeah. has the most information, and yeah. it is somewhat conflicting, I would argue, generally positive, but somewhat conflicting. But it's just like you know, people are really excited about Desai. And, you know, Luke, I did sell you a little bit on that just because of uh, kind of the history of, of, of the way that those fronts can work. Um, and then people are excited about Brian Flores. And it's just like, well, I don't like he was a linebackers coach in New England. Right. Which like I'm excited about Gerard Mayo, linebackers coach. But I know that Gerard Mayo was the defensive coordinator there. Like that's kind of a difference, even though he's a linebackers mm-hmm. coach. Like, was Brian Flores also the defensive coordinator? I don't think he was the New England Patriots, right? And I don't think he called plays for the Miami Dolphins. So, like, I, it's it's not that I think he'd be bad, just like with um, with Ryan Nielsen. I have no idea what this would represent. It's more, I find the enthusiasm for a lot of these guys really interesting because there's just not much. Like, to me, it's more I'm open to kind of whatever's going to happen here. I could just as easily see it being good as bad. And a lot of people are like, yeah, Brian Flores, he's a really great defensive mind. And it's like, is he? How do you know? He took over play calling in week 10, it says, versus the Ravens. Crazy second half of the season. He took over from there on out. I, I definitely understand that. And like, these guys represent huge unknowns, which is why any take I'm going to have on them is going to be like very softly held. Um, but I'm definitely sympathetic to Vikings fans who don't want to hire an in-house candidate like 10 days after the defense single-handedly destroyed a 13-4 and season. Okay, hold up. The first nine games... games I, I, ju- I just filtered the um, the Miami weeks. So from Holy. weeks 11 to 17, it was 21st in defensive DVOA. In 2021? Uh, oh, that was... Sorry, that... So the first nine games, they ranked 32nd in yards allowed per game, 31st in third down conversion, and 29th in points allowed. So basically dead last, bottom three in all those categories. After he took over, 16th in yards allowed, 19th in third down conversion, 15th in points allowed. So mm. huge drastic change the second half of the that's season. Good. It's pretty yards good. Is, yards allowed is a fixed. Uh, I think that right, should be that's your fine, nerdy but... stat of the day. That should be your nerdy stat of the day, Luke. <laughs> Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. So did you say 2020 or 2021? 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, he jumped from 26th to 20th in DVOA. Okay. Nice. Hire him. He's a lock. (laughs) I mean, also like mid-season changes, like whatever, you don't get the chance to install your own defense. So Yeah. Again, to me, that's very little information. All right, Ron Johnson comes up in a few minutes. Hey, send or uh, leave a comment. Do you want Mike Pettin as your DC? Yes or no? Let me know. You can rip me if you want. I'm Team Pettin. Um, This is kind of a juicy, nerdy stat. I actually had to dig on this. So Kirk Cousins' deep passing with one of the greatest wide receiver seasons in NFL history, his deep passing went from a 120.7 rating in 2021 to a 79.4 rating in 2022. Lowest Kirk Cousins deep rating since his first year as a starter in virtually the same number of attempts. He had six picks when throwing deep. And that correlated with his worst ever play action season. I was about to say, I bet a lot of that has to do with the play-action proportions. Lowest play-action pass rating of his career, 99.5. And I I put in my notes, correlation, question mark. I I would would imagine there is. Uh, Also, 
a lot of the Vikings play action this last year was not on bootlegs, which is like he's crazy good at bootlegs. So <laughs> um, I think that is probably something to do with it. A lot of it's probably noise because it's a low frequency statistic. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if like a turnover worthy play rate was similar, but defense backs just held on to the ball a little bit more, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but that, I mean, that is pretty interesting. I don't know. It, it could be very meaningful. It might not be very meaningful, um, but it might explain the drop off in efficiency that cousins had this year from, from play to play. So, well, it, it also happened in a year where the large sample size statistics for cousins were also down. So yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're really, you're looking at really a decline for him across the board. Yeah, There's probably almost, a, like a confounding variable throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And then the game winning drives were just off the charts. Crazy good. Uh, so that's mine. Nerdy stat of the day. Who uh, else? I'll go, uh, I'll go right before I have to just head out for half a second. Yep. Um, so, uh, was it a Monday show? Luke mentioned that the Vikings were very good at tackling. They had a low missed tackle rate. I wanted to check on that. Luke, it turns out you were even more right than I think you thought. So the Vikings had the low, uh, the fourth lowest missed tackle rate, right? In the NFL, um, on, on attempted tackles. Right. But what was interesting to me was whether or not they would be able to do that on passing plays, because the context of the discussion was about whether or not they could stop, you know, potentially the San Francisco 49ers offense. I still don't think so, but to your point about tackling, they were first in the NFL on tackling on pass plays in terms of tackling percentage, right? So pretty great. We know that Patrick Peterson's a good tackler, but uh, it was pretty nice to see that on passing plays, they could at least tackle. So there's my no, That's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Thanks, Arif. I know you have to bow out for just a moment. We'll mm -hmm. uh, talk to you in a few minutes for the underwhelming Vikings draft. Uh, Braun, nerdy? Uh, yeah, so Ben Baldwin just tweeted out as we're like recording this uh, uh, rushing yards over expected thing. And I wanted to look at um, I'm, I'm very curious about that stat because I don't know a lot about it. Um, in 15 rushes in that playoff game, Dalvin cook had 74 expected yards, which he tweeted out like a chart of all of the playoff running backs which like extrapolated if there had been a second game would have been one of the highest amounts in the league, which tells you that the Vikings run game was actually doing pretty good at opening up holes and stuff, at least according to that stat. I know it's like based off of handoff, like player positioning at handoff and like tracking data and stuff, which I have skepticisms about, but I don't know enough about it to really criticize. Um, but what I think kind of surprised me was that the highest on this chart, at least, in terms of expected rushing yards, is not somebody on a Kyle Shanahan offense uh, or somebody on you know the Baltimore Ravens. It is Joe Mixon on the Bengals. Mm. 141 expected rushing yards over two games. Mm. Um, some of that's a volume thing. I think he has more rushes on this chart than anybody else. With that offensive line, too? Oof. Wow. And that offensive line killed the Bills. Oh, no, they way overachieved. But Cordell Volson. The, the backups are actually better than than yeah, so far. Is is that O line versus the Bills D line? Mm-hmm. So interesting stuff. Yeah, no, that's good. Inman, did you have another one in the holster? The DVOA stuff. Six of the final eight teams last week all ranked in the top six in DVOA. The only two that didn't, Giants and Jakes. 
They both obviously lost. The only kind of surprise, the fifth DVOA team, the Bengals, as Luke just mentioned, upset the number one DVOA team, the Bills. But just top to bottom, if you're a DVOA hater during the season at all, especially as like a Vikings fan, super hard to argue with those numbers equating to success when you just look at the final teams remaining. This week, you got Sam Fran, slight edge over the Eagles in DVOA by 2%. Both ranked in the top three, though. Chiefs and Cincy ranked four and five, although the Chiefs have just over 5% better DVOA than the Bengals. And then just a reminder, the Vikings DVOA was 27th, only ahead of the Panthers, Cardinals, Chicago Bears, Houston Texans, and Indianapolis Colts. Four of those five teams hold the first, second, third, and fourth overall picks this year. Panthers hold the ninth overall pick. So again, for better or worse, more times than not, DVOA, man, just wildly accurate this season, predicting team success. Gosh, are the Vikings I, I looking have... at a seven and a half win total Dude. over under? Well, they're a four win team. Clearly, they yeah. didn't. They don't do anything well, and there's no good players on it yeah. because of that. <laughs> right. I logged on to a website and looked up some numbers, and I know better. Uh, <laughs> so I have I have one more I wanted to say um, because people need to hear it. Uh, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter are the only edge duo in the league in the who are both in the top ten in pressures mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. total, and this is including postseason as well. To Zadarius Smith fourth in pressures with eighty, uh, Daniil Hunter sixth in the league with seventy six, tied for sixth. Uh, the only person who can still leapfrog him reasonably is Hassan Reddick, who's still playing and is uh, just one behind. If that coverage had been even mediocre, yeah. Like if it had just yes. been mediocre, that defensive line player for player had such a good year. Tomlinson, Phillips, Zadarius, Hunter, Tonga, Tonga. Otomewo, like a lot of guys played above average football. And as a group, it just felt like they couldn't make a real impact because the coverage was so bad. Uh, make sure to check out... And- just, just real quick, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. going yeah. back to the first exercise, I, I didn't want to cut Sidarius Smith because of that fact that Luke mentioned. I know they were both in the top 10 in pressures. In that exercise, wanted to show a specific example. If you're just trying to save the most money, Zadarius saves you the most money without just sitting there with a bunch of dead caps sitting in your lap as well. Probably unrealistic that they would actually cut him given how productive he was, especially when healthy the first half of the season. First eight games, he was dominant. Maybe the best pass rusher in the entire NFL, honestly. Top three. Just looking at the cap situation that Kwesi's facing, he would save you the most money with the least dead cap. Yeah. He had an Everson Griffin-esque start to the season. Griffin, a notorious fast starter, uh, and then a slower finisher. Zadarius had that probably worn down with that injury, as he admitted. Uh, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Instant reactions, game recaps, Locked On's take of the day. Find it on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Once we get Ron Johnson in, I want to ask him which quarterback he would build a franchise around if he could today. Burrow or Hurts? Is there a conversation there, or do you think it's obvious one way or another? Uh, Ron's not here yet, but I'll start the convo. Luke Inman, you have a thought on that? Sorry, I, I missed it. All I heard was Burrow and Hurts. What was the question? Am I breaking Who would you up? build around? Who would you build a franchise oh, around? Oh, who Burrow would I build around? Yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah. I love him. 
I love it. Pure pocket guy. Here's the thing. Mobile, mobile quarterbacks scare the heck out of me when I'm building a team for one game or two, three years. Sure. But they just have a tendency and history shows they will break down eventually. They're not as consistent. One thing that nobody gives Kirk Cousins credit for, God never misses a game because he's never outside of the pocket. He doesn't take any big hits. You need durability at your quarterback position. Love what Jalen Hurts has done the last couple of years. His development just from last year to this year after they got him A.J. Brown. Night and day. Outstanding story for him. And I'm sure the Eagles pay him a monster contract and build around him for the next five, six, seven, eight years. But for me, Joe Burrow, pure pocket guy. I love everything about him. And I think he ticks a couple more boxes than Jalen Hurts outside of once you get past the mobility and the athleticism. Better pure pocket quarterback, in my opinion. I wonder it's if not that's really a bad answer here. No. I wonder if that changes, though, if Hurts wins the Super Bowl, which I think is a great possibility. And what Maybe. if he beats Burrow? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Eagles-Bengals is going to be an awesome game. I think all four permutations are uh, are are really fun, but I think that's yeah. the best game. I think a lot of people are getting a little annoyed outside of Chiefs fans of watching the Kansas City Chiefs in the final four top oh, two. Speak whatever. for yourself. You love it? These are always great games. No, they're great games for sure, but just for parody's sake. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think, look at what I'm arguing, Luke. It's like, well, the yeah. Bengals just went to the Super Bowl, dude. So what are you saying? Yeah, yeah. You want the Super right. Bowl to run it back with the Bengals again? I got funny really bored, I think, after, I mean, after like 20 years of you know, Manning, Brady, Roethlisberger, they mm-hmm. got really bored, but all those guys were like pocket guys that sort of like responsibly would find the open guy and, you know, like, you know, matriculate down the field as it were. Um, but Mahomes makes the incredible look mundane and he's I'm, an alien and it's going to be a long time before i'm tired of watching that for sure no i i get that just from a pure entertainment standpoint and fan of the game how could you not love to watch patrick mahomes for sure yeah, yeah. i don't know if there's a bad answer here i if if you gave me burrow and said start a franchise i'd think i was pretty lucky but hurts is very multiple in a way that the eagles have done a great job of like taking advantage of um, and I think that, that that's why they're the best team in the NFC, right? Is because they have so many different pitches. They have so many different ways they can be. They can be an option team with Hertz. They can be, he can be a drop back quarterback. If that's what the defense has given you, he, he can do so many different things that kind of whatever team I want to build, I can build it around Hertz. So that flexibility makes me lean a little bit that way, but I don't think like I, I could see myself, you know, 10 years after that experiment, I could see the Joe Burrow team being better on the whole. Um, but I, that multiplicity is very attractive to me, I guess. If Mahomes can play well, if he plays at all and he plays well, like the guy is an alien. It's almost like if he plays, he does play well. There's no question. Yeah. If, if oh, he's, he's on playing. the field, he's playing well and he is playing. Yeah. Yeah, he's an alien. That looks unheard of. That looked so painful. That looks like such a bad injury. Somebody threw up on my timeline highlights of the Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl, and it was like the amount of sacks that he was avoiding, and then still getting passes off downfield in the corner of the end zone while he's being dragged to the ground were just insane. And it's almost like he lulls you to sleep because he just does it every game almost once a drive kind of thing. It was just kind of mind-blowing to see that again. I kind of forgot about it. Uh, why don't we do our parlays? Let's get that rolling. Arif can join midway. But um, last week, we did a $500 parlay each. Luke, the lone winner. 
Congratulations. A Dak interception and Travis Kelsey, like six and a half receptions. And he had 14. <laughs> Dude, so, both my bets hit in like the first quarter. Kelsey had like six catches in like the first three drives. It was nuts. That was crazy. Luke Braun, why don't you lead us off? So I'm going to go with double touchdown score this time. Um, I'm just going to go with the two of the more likely guys, I think, and hope that it gives me good odds, which it does. Uh, I'm going with AJ Brown and Joe Mixon. I, going off of what I just said about the Bengals run game appears to really be setting him up for success, especially down in the goal line. They use him on the goal line plenty. And uh, that AJ Brown Jalen Hurts connection is one of the best in the league. That gives me plus 410. Ron Johnson joins us now. He's at three. Ron Johnson, the Ron Johnson Show host, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, roundtable on Friday. Ron, we were just debating which quarterback would you want to build your franchise around right now, Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts? Oh, that's my only two options? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going Kirk Cousins. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, me personally, I mean, if you look at Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow, I personally uh, would go Joe uh, Jalen Hurts. I just I like the way he gives you the ability to run. I feel like if I'm a coach and I can make it work. So you look at Patrick Mahomes' ability to move. You look at Joe Burr or uh, Josh Allen, his ability to move. I think in today's football, long term. It's going to be more of value. Now, you did, he did get a shoulder injury, but also Joe Burrow had the knee injury. Um, but I, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts just because of the type of offense I would run a run. And as you look at, like, teams that can build around, you know, the offensive line versus quarterback, which one is better? Is it the chicken or the egg? Is it I need to have a bunch of receivers and decent running backs, or do I need to have a great running back and a few receivers? At the end of the day, Jalen Hurts becomes an additional back. Now, I know, you know, again, that shoulder, him taking hits, might not be a long-term, you know, 15-year situation. But if I'm going to build now where most owners are looking like, you know, give me seven, eight years to try to get to a Super Bowl, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Luke Inman, what do you got for Ron Johnson? Hey, Ron Johnson, speaking of quarterbacks, just curious, your take on the quarterback carousel we could see take place this offseason. Last few years, we've seen a lot of big moves with teams trading like early draft picks for established superstars. With quarterbacks, though, where do you think guys like Rodgers, Brady, and Derek Carr all end up? Or where do you see the most kind of plausible fits there? Well, first with Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, I think everybody's trying to figure out the draft capital. Who would do it? Is it worth it? Um, the Jets, it sounds like, are willing to leverage their entire future for two years with Aaron Rodgers, which I get it. When you've been that bad, uh, but you feel like your window with this defense, these offensive weapons, uh, you look you look at the players they have, uh, they're going to get their running back next year. Brees Hall will be healthy. He, he came out the gate punching, swinging hard. So they're like, man, if we can just get a guy, a guy that can keep us in games, that can win games for us, Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Aaron Rodgers also wore green in Green Bay. So going to the Jets, he's not going to have to change much. I mean, he might have to throw away the yellow portion of his gloves and his cleats, but he'll still be able to use the green and white cleats. He'll be able to use the green socks. Um, and, so, and so that's an easy transitional move. Uh, we look like a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Now the Raiders and Aaron Rodgers, I, I mean, again, it's Las Vegas. I just don't personally feel like that's the way to go. I think if you look like a, a, a turnkey type of team, meaning defense is ready to go, running backs and plays, offensive weapons are there, I'd say the Jets. Uh, when you look at Derek Carr and you look at these other guys, I mean, this has happened before in the NFL. It's just 
it just doesn't happen this often where it's this many guys, but it's happened before. Um, it's the fun part of it. I mean, honestly, this makes our jobs a lot more fun. You know, going into the offseason, we get to watch the trades and the talk all offseason. And, you know, are the Packers going to become the worst team in the NFC North because, you know, they don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore, which the answer is probably yes. Um, you know, I picked the Lions last year to be second in the division. You know, if that happens, I, I think the Lions could win the division. I mean, I think the Lions have a chance to compete with the Vikings to win the NFC North for the first time since probably Barry Sanders, uh, you know, and I don't even know if they won it then. But I, I think that's the key when you think about this team uh, and these quarterbacks, sorry, this league, not this team, these quarterbacks in this league. I, I do. I'm excited to see what happens. But I think the most, the easiest one to kind of piggyback is Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to be a Jet. Mm-hmm. Ron, what do you got? Well, now I'm curious. Uh, rank who you would start a franchise with, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> well, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts one. I'm going to go Joe Burrow two. And I'm going to go Kirk Cousins three. Um, I, I actually sat here this morning and because uh, I've been having this weird debate with a guy that I don't know what his problem is. He's like got a hard on for Shannon Sharp and Clinton Portis. And he's upset that, you know, I'm oh, backing boy. guys like Portis and, 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 and uh, Ed Reed and, and Shannon Sharp. And uh, I don't know why. I don't know why, you know, he thinks he's holier than thou. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, you know. So I thought about that because I'm like, you know, in sports takes, we all, you know, stand our ground. And he tried to say, like, Stephen A. Smith needs to be humbled. I'm like, man, we're just doing a job. Like, we don't need to be humble when we're talking sports. Like, shut up. Um, but when you when you think about Kirk Cousins, and, and I've taken that stance, I will say this about Kirk Cousins. He honestly doesn't have that it factor. And I think that's what a lot of people think he lacks, that it factor. Like, and it's not a, it's not something that you can go get. It's just in you. You have it. Like, some people walk out the gym or they walk onto the field and they have that it factor where the cameras are on them and they're just charismatic. They got the team handshake down. You know, you watch Joe Burrow warm up and you watch uh, T. Uh, Higgins with Jamar Chase. I mean, even Jay, uh, Justin Jefferson, they have it. Like when the camera's rolling and it goes slow-mo, it's the coldest video you've ever seen. Kirk Cousins in slow-mo just reminds me of SpongeBob. Like it's not going to be smooth. (laughs) It's not going to be smooth and clean. And I think that's why so many people hold him back. Like the Bengals last week had the coldest videos I've ever seen for pregame warm-ups. And so Pat Mahomes warming up, he's done it too. He's had the cool moments. He does the things with him and Travis Kelsey. Um, some players just have it. And, and I think the Bengals had the coolest pregame videos ever by a social media team I've seen. Um, but, you know, that's just not what you're going to see out of Kirk Cousins. And so that's why I think people are hesitant, even when he was a young at a young age. We're hesitant to say this is our franchise quarterback or he should be a franchise quarterback uh, because it's not that it. So if I'm picking between those three, I, I got to go that route. But I think Kirk Cousins can uh, get a franchise going. He's getting it going with the Vikings. Um, how much longer does he have in the tank? I think that's going to be the question. Well, it's going to be interesting this weekend, Ron. Uh, I think you went on record saying Eagles-Bengals is the likeliest matchup, Um, but we'll get into more specific predictions tomorrow on the roundtable. Thanks a lot for joining, Ron. No, appreciate you guys. Thanks, Ron. At 3RonJohnson on Twitter, host of the Ron Johnson Show, Arif Hassan rejoins us for our underwhelming Vikings draft. These are the parameters, guys. I've got the last five drafts laid out for you in a nice little Excel spreadsheet. 
We're going to pick a six-person team. I thought about putting positions assigned to it. I'm not going to do that. This is just names only. You can load up defense. You can load up offense. The reason being that there's just some positions where there's only a few guys, and it's a little hard to have like depth there. So just pick underwhelming Vikings and round out your six-person team. Why don't we start with Luke Inman because he's winning our parlay contest so far, and then we'll go around the circle. Chief gambler. Yep. <laughs> our our big dog right now. He's uh, he's winning the crown. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then we'll get back into our parlays after this. So, uh, Luke Inman, kick us off the underwhelming Vikings draft. The number one overall pick, 1-1, one, one, third rounder, Kellen Mond, quarterback. I feel like you, you have to. You have to, you, right? Have there to. is one other guy I'm thinking about, and I don't know if that was a Reefs 1-1. One, one. We were talking before the show, clear-cut guy. There is one other guy that maybe I was thinking about, but I'm not going to say his name quite yet. Okay. Arif Hassan gets pick number two. Yeah, I want to be I want to be clear here. Before the show, I was talking about a guy that rocketed up my rankings, a guy I nailed in on as we clarified the nature of this draft. So this this guy that I'm thinking of is not my one one, or I guess in this case one two. Um I'm I'm preserving him for hopefully I later. See. We'll see. Um, but I'm picking the only well, I guess I guess maybe not the only, but uh, I'm picking probably the most obvious first rounder to, to, to go here. I'm picking Mike Hughes. I just think the draft investment mm. there versus the return, uh, obviously he's better than a number of other players here and that he is still, I think, in the NFL. Um, but, you know, that phrase, I think, is is maybe telling. He is. He was with the Lions last year. And I feel like Great. he's kind of revitalized his career. But that's another way to interpret this, like underwhelming with the Vikings. yes underwhelming as an NFL pro? Maybe not. Maybe he's actually had a better... There's a reason the Chiefs cut him. They like him in Detroit. Matt Derry told us that. Uh, Luke Braun, what do you think? Your first pick. Um, wasn't Mike Hughes in coverage on the game-winning touchdown to KJ Osborne? Yes, he week? was. Hey. Toasted. Hey. Uh, Interesting. Curious. And Chiefs invested, <laughs> what, a sixth-round pick? Seventh-round yeah. pick for Hughes and still cut him? What? And they're like, mm, we'd rather draft Jalen Watson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Wyatt Davis got picked, a lot of people thought, "There's your starting guard of the future." Um, won some offensive line even, awards. What? Yep. Never even got on the field. Cut as a third rounder by year two. Uh, Yikerinos! I'm taking Wyatt Davis. Yikerinos, indeed. I would have probably gone with Davis had he been available to me. Um, but I will go with the next best overhyped guard and that is drew samia drew samia he should have been a second round pick the vikings got a steal done year two um and i will follow that up on the return with chaz surratt another there you go there you go Good pick. That was that was my decision. I was waffling between those two. In the, in the league is getting obliterated here. I don't know if he's in the yeah. league. Luke Braun, you pick next. Chess, right? He was. He was in the NFL last year, but I believe he was on a practice squad. So if you count that. Practice squad quarterback, maybe? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, what do you got, bud? You got well, now I'm all, I'm all thrown off. I was really hoping Chad Surratt would come. You gotta have a plan uh, in I'll your go back, with man. Plan B. 
Clancy. Yeah. Planning on this show? No, no, no. Rick Spielman has 250 scenarios he's already gone through at this point. And well, three of his last draft picks are already on the board <laughs> in, the, in the first two two days. Yeah, and you're um, behind his eight ball, man. Mm, rough. Mm. <laughs> That's why I don't get paid the big bucks. I'll go with Jalen Holmes. I don't know, man. J- Jalen Holmes is on my list, but he's kind of low on the list. That's that's an interesting one. I'm scrambling. I, he, yeah, he didn't that's... feel hyped to me. Um, so we have had. He was supposed to be the guy that. Oh, he was just stuck behind Nick Bosa. He's really right. just another Ohio State guy. We got another. We just he just couldn't get reps. That feels like something that was said only during the draft. I, I don't feel like people hyped like Drew Samia was hyped the entire time. I don't remember any Drew Samia hype. Before, All I remember is the we, memes oh, after dude. he got crushed by DeForest Buckner, but maybe we I were, just wasn't We were mocking shit. Drew Samia all February, all, yeah, all really? March. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, like I'm, Vikings I'm only mocks. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm, I'm still going to save my guy. I actually, given the nature of everybody's pick so far, I don't know if my guy's going to get it ba- bounce back to me, but still going to save my guy, and I'm going to go with the other Ohio State lineman and also a first-round pick. And Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, he started four years, but is anyone happy about that? Ohio, Ohio State? Yeah. North Carolina State. North Carolina State. Sorry, I was thinking of Pat Elfline. Pat Elfline, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Elfline would have went 1 1 in this draft. But yeah, oh but yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah, about uh, Bradbury for sure. I'll go the next guy in line. Irv Smith, you passed up on AJ Brown. Look at that. AJ yeah. Brown, one pick later. Irv Smith, a lot of hype. Alabama finally get a tight end after post Kyle Rudolph oh. era. And then I'm going to go with. Just because it's starting to get thin here. Boy, this is tricky. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm going to go with Daniel Carlson. That is a very <laughs> interesting. interesting pick. That is yeah. so That could go either way. Obviously, he's maybe the best kicker in the league, arguably I, outside of Justin Tucker, right? But here in Minnesota, and maybe that makes it even worse this, seeing him flourish. I mean, if this was a feels-bad man draft, yeah, certainly. Right. But. I like the pick. If if there is a polarizing pick in this draft, well, aside from one obvious one that I'm definitely not picking. Who's going to do it? Um, But if there's a polarizing (laughs) pick in this draft, it's probably Daniel Carlson because that really invites a lot of debate about what it means to be underwhelming. Definitely. mm -hmm. By the way, no criteria. Sam has not set a criteria for what it means. This is a vibes draft. Right. Uh, Anyway, it's me, right? It's you. My Hi. guy is still there. You're the problem. Um, <laughs> I am the problem. I am drafting Austin Cutting, long snapper. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Value. Oh. There was so much made about his, what was it, Air Force? Perfect, yeah. Air Force. Perfect. PFF said he was perfect as a long snapper. <laughs> he didn't have one snap wrong his senior year. And I think he had one in his entire career that went wrong. And his senior bowl. Let PFF Sam tell you about his senior bowl. Oh, my God. He took down Dan Bailey's career in 2020. Literally. Single-handedly. Austin Cut. Austin Cut. God, that's good. That's great. Very, very good. Luke Braun. I'm thinking about being that guy. Oh, I would love it. I would hate for you to be more hateable. Oh, no. Would I get in trouble? Look, I I can't do it. It's tough. I don't think I have it in me. It's tough. I mean, you you could just defend yourself and say it's all between the lines here. We're just talking about 
Yeah. But you can't do that on the poll, right? No, no, you can't. I won't get no. me votes. I'm, I'm just saying I, what you could say on the show. This isn't, That's all I'm saying. This isn't, this isn't like a ballot measure where you get a little paragraph. <laughs> You have to take it to the judge, and the judge says that's the bad yeah. language. You got to redo it's... it, and you got to. <laughs> Is he better value as a sixth round pick than a third round pick? That's maybe. At a certain point, maybe you just kind of throw him in. Yeah, there's not a ton of players. I'm gonna go with Ola BC Johnson. What? People said he was gonna be wide receiver too. There was a moment, and he still where, might he be was. if Justin Jefferson wasn't the greatest receiver <laughs> like, in the NFL. But like, but like factually, he was right. Like he was, he was wide receiver two at the beginning of two separate seasons. You to tell me a seventh round pick is going to do that on a regular basis? Picks in. It's already in. Cards in. Picks in. Commissioner That's said it. it. It's over. Talk about a guy who absolutely overperformed his draft slot. My God. I'm. I'm going to be honest. I thought Picks he did in. I'm not going to take it back. But Dylan Mitchell and it just got him mixed up. <laughs> you mixed I, him up I, with I, Dylan I Mitchell? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That you can that's put my in the bad. tweet. That will let that's you put my in the bad. tweet. Nope, nope, nope. It's okay. It's all right. I screwed up. I screwed I just, up. I put in the wrong pick. Was it the Ravens that did that? In like, Didn't that happen? They They got the wrong player? Yeah, it was like they the the name got wrong. It happened it like on the ba- kind of it happened names. famously on the Bachelor the one time. The Bachelor called right. the wrong yes. girl at the rose ceremony. Well, was it binding? Uh, didn't didn't yes. win like a, a Steve, show that's loose with rules. Okay, they, Steve no, Harvey. The the Steve Harvey story. announced the wrong um, Miss oh, America Miss Universe. Miss yeah. Universe. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like it's Steve Harvey, so he's joking, right? Classic Harvey. Classic. Uh, good one, man. Apparently, this was a design issue with the way the card was written. Right. Or how about at the Oscars when the guy oh. read the wrong picture oh, of, yeah, the year. Moonlight. Moonlight. of the year? Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. Ooh, rough. Rough, dude. Wait, whose pick is it? Book my pick, That's Janarius my Robinson. That's all right. There's a lot Janarius of hype for that. Robinson. It's slim pickings now, man. So no, I, I actually like that. It is slim pickings. He would have been on my radar for sure. I actually like that. Yeah, I feel like the controversy gets really ratcheted up now. So, mm-hmm. so the this 2020 draft... Was not good, and it wasn't. They're like all they're all sitting there. bad. Right, right. Yeah, like it's I, right. Like yeah. Dan, Dan's <laughs> still on the team. Like like. So we got to get through twenty twenty one. Taking Randall or <laughs> special teams captain Josh Metellus. Like it's tough. Oh yeah, no no one is picking Brandel or Metellus. No, that's for yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, I'm Osborne. I, what I mean is, by all means, go ahead and pick them. Yeah. I'm going Wanham. I'm going okay. Wanham. I get it. About it. A lot of I get hype. it. He uh, he is on my short list, not at the top of my short list, but I definitely get it. Mm-hmm. Back to Brun. Uh, boy, boy, oh boy, was there a lot of Zach Davidson hype? <sighs> Dang, good Davidson. pick. Sniped, sniped. Good pick. All right, I'm gonna go with a probably pretty spicy one. Um, given that there's just not enough time, I'm gonna go with Andrew Booth. Yeah, that's a good nah, one. If he it. was there at the end, yeah. I would have had to pick him. I, I would have had me, to. For me, it was like, like heading into Sam's first pick on the turnaround. It was like Zach Davidson one, Andrew Booth two. Yeah. And, I was really hoping for Davidson. And even when he was healthy and on the field, he didn't necessarily wow anybody either. 
Yeah, I mean, it, really. it definitely feels super unfair, but we are running out of space. We're here. running out. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Amir Smith-Marset. A lot of hype around mm-hmm. him for a little bit. And then I'm going to go with Troy that's- Dye. I don't know if it was just me hyping him up a little bit. No, but... no, I well, think that's, that's fair. Troy Dye was on my list. And okay. Amir Smith-Marset was not on my list, but I was just thinking about it in terms of like, as a draft prospect, but as a, a future Viking, which is probably the best way to evaluate this. Right. Insane amounts of hype. Totally. Every so training camp. MVP. Yeah. Offensive Every, MVP. All, all two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sign. Okay. Um, we are running. Oh, man. Well, if we're going after these guys. Huh. I Okay. I've got a couple of guys in mind, but I think the one that drew maybe some of the most discussion, I guess. Um, Jalen Twyman. If we're, yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen Twyman. I mean, that's in that, that's Gladney esque. If we're being honest, it's, it's not, it's not there. It's not there. They're it's different. Definitely not he, there, but he had a full, he had his healthy, chance it's in the yeah, same he had, universe. He had a healthy season. Yeah. It's in the same universe. I get it. He had his and chance, he did have a healthy and, season, and he had his chance. A lot of people called him a young Aaron Donald, which yes. was a lot. That that is like very specific. Are you sure it wasn't just that he him. like hung out with Aaron Donald? Yeah, he also hero worshipped Aaron Donald, but people yeah. did call him that. Yeah, like there was the idea was like, oh, he just you know tanked the combine because he did his weight wrong and stuff, and he's actually a lot better than this, and we really got a steal and, and couldn't stick. Well, here's the thing yeah. about that. There's no guarantee you're getting it back. If a player screws up the way they put on weight, no guarantee yep. you're getting it back. That so is, could, he is the could, guy that taught me that lesson. Because <laughs> yeah. I fell for it. Yeah, but, but you could be right that he'd handled his training incorrectly. And I think that we were right about that. Doesn't mean he's going to get it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I already torpedoed mine with the BC mistake. So I'll just be the guy that falls on the grenade. I'll take Jeff Gladney. Oh. Hmm. I need I need the sick the sicko vote. Gosh, monster. You monster. Yep. Well, let me ask monster. you that. Like, how much time needs to go by until we have a draft and it's okay to take Jeff Gladney? Like nobody goes, oh dude, that's messed up. Uh, no, there's no Never. amount of time. Yeah. No amount of time. He's, oh yeah, yeah, the Vikings really whiffed in Kenichi Udeze. Really? <laughs> dude, Ray Caruth. All right. <laughs> God, All that's right. different. That's his fault. <laughs> you're right. No, you're actually right. I get it now. I get the difference. I, I get it. Here's I will he say between the white lines, this does make sense. He was oh, pretty yeah, bad in oh, the only year we had. That's why I said yeah. you could justify it, but you know, you don't get to say that in the poll. Nope. All right, guys. I'm gonna take bronze guy, Dylan Mitchell. <laughs> well, you you were a big Dylan Mitchell guy. I remember that. Me? Yeah. No, I was a um, who's the UDFA? Oh from, yeah, from, yeah, from Davion UAB, Davis. Devon, uh, Davion Davis. Yeah, Davion Davis was my guy. Yeah, and I'm gonna—I don't know if this will ruffle feathers, but Cam Dantzler. Ah, it was that was Dang. my guy. I was, was my guy. really thinking about it. So it it doesn't ruffle feathers on this podcast at least, but it may on it may on Twitter. Yeah, but we'll he's my guy. I was going after him, and that's mainly because of what happened this year. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, Braun. I don't agree with this, but in chasing, in in chasing the votes of people who are upset, I'm taking Lewis Seen. I knew it. I knew it. In for a penny, Scorched in for a pound. Earth. Yep. This is wild. Wild. I'm throwing hail marys <laughs> <laughs> and laterals. You're doing the right now. You're doing the Cowboys' final play. 
Yeah, well, I was thinking. I was thinking more um, the Patriots' final play, and he's Mac Jones. Yeah, no, either it's, one. it's either the Patriot. It's the Miami Miracle, and Braun is Gronkowski. And, and Gronkowski. To stop <laughs> no, no, no. Because I'm not in a good position to begin with. <laughs> he has right. no you, angle. Yeah, he has no on, angle. I don't have win probability here. <laughs> Man, there's, there's. Okay, so I complained the entire show about the thinness mm-hmm. here, but now there's just so many people with even value. I just, I almost want like another i just this is tough right this is tough um yeah <laughs> clocks up sam you're on no oh you missed out on the free agent <laughs> <laughs> i thought the fax machine was uh what was it El- elvis doomerville yeah. yeah in that case the fax machine wasn't working in favor of the ravens but the ravens did not get the trade in right i'm going to assume because do of we, the fax machine error do we think it was the same fax machine <laughs> no because it was, well unless the ravens gifted it to denver <laughs> it oh, it was Denver's fax machine. It was Denver's okay. fax machine that made it possible for the Ravens to grab Elvis Dumerville, giving them some sort of karmic whatever. I don't know. The Ravens also benefited from not getting that trade in, so I don't know. But, you know, whole fax machine cycle. Anyway, so uh, I don't want to give out my other name just because I don't want someone to pick it, right? Or, or I guess the one person to pick it. Um, but, yeah, both of the guys on my list are linemen, and I had a guy in mind the whole draft. I've changed my mind at the last second. I'm going to go with the guy everybody was actually cheering for, which makes sense here, Kenny Willickis. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Three-time captain. Three-time captain. It's supposed to Michigan be like a third-round pick. Yeah. Did, uh, was, was accused of being unathletic simply because he did poorly in every combine test. <laughs> Merely for that fact. <laughs> That's it. And then, and then he did a bunch of somersaults, and that convinced a bunch of general managers <laughs> Of nothing at all. True. All right. Ole Udo or Ed Ingram. I, I thought about Nate Stanley just because everybody hypes up a quarterback. Even if we draft him in the seventh round or UDFA, we, we always hype him up into training camp. I'm going to go Ole Udo. Even though he's a late, late pick, boy, we hyped him up quite a bit. Long, wingspan crazy. Got the prototypical size and strength coming from Elon. He's a project, guys, but just give it a few this years. Is, this, is after, right guard. this is after you retweeted uh, Krasarific saying, actually, he's actually been pretty good at tackle. I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't attach that to this poll, please. Don't, don't, don't do that to me. I could have went with Ed Ingram. I, I almost yeah. went with Ed Ingram. Ed, Ed Ingram would have been that, because I had already gotten booth. I was like, well, if I'm I'm right. going in on rookies. You know? Right, right. And I Ed like Ingram, Udo. Pretty bad this year, but like I'm going Udo. with Udo. Mystery irrelevant. There it is. Lock it up. Fun draft, Sam. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was. So I have some regrets. We, I got ripped in the comments last week regrets. for being too much of a stickler on time. And That's as a result, right. I have gone way past an hour. So you can be happy with me. Um, we do need to finalize our parlays. Hopefully, we can get through it very fast. I got mine. Here, I'll rip it up yeah, real right. quick. I'm going to go uh, Jalen Hurts over 48 rushing yards. God! Minus at 114. And can I double down and take Jalen Hurts over nine carries at minus 186? So, does it let you on the bet slip? It does for me, yeah. Yeah, that's same game parlay. So yep. it's Hurts what? What's the second one? Nine carries or more. Over under eight and a half at minus 186. So I can't, I cannot repeat a player prop, right? That so Luke, like, I Luke can't said use... that it worked for him. No, no, no. I can't. So you can't say like Jalen Hurts over rushing Oh, yards. that's, yeah, that's correct. I, I put that on my bet slip. Oh, God. So Inman, I need the final odds. Plus 135. Okay. And 
Braun, back to yours. And Arif, for the I record, said, Braun said Brown and Mixon yeah. touchdowns. Was that first touchdown or anytime? Anytime. Anytime. All right. Arif? All right. Uh, I am so upset. Okay, hold on. Uh, <laughs> Do you get rattled and you make mistakes when you get sniped, all right? It happens. I got sniped three times in the draft. I had a perfect draft. Uh, <laughs> uh, geez. Okay, I don't like that. Uh, okay, I'm going to go in the same game. Anytime touchdown scorer, Jarek McKinnon, uh, along like with my original pick of Brandon Ayuk, over three and a half total receptions. Um, that produces a plus 368. All right. Yeah, you guys have like smart, balanced, kind of sensible, you know, two leg parlays. I'm not about that life. You know, like a plus 1,000? I'm doing four anytime touchdown scorers. Wait, you can do four? You can do whatever you want. It's I a $500 parlay. No. Huh. For some reason, I thought we were just restricted to two. Oh, no, 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 no. Wild <laughs> West. Ah, no, no, no. George Kittle, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, and my wild card, Noah Gray. Wait, so all of them all scoring right. touchdowns? Let's go. Yep. yep. <laughs> what? Yep. Noah Gray, sure. it's going to be a tight end game for Kansas City. Not a lot of dropbacks. Tight ends are going to be involved. I like Noah Gray because he plays like consistently over half the game. He's going to get a couple passes. Uh, plus 12-9-9-8. All right, so, so it was it was Higgins, <laughs> Gray, Kittle, and who? Devontae Smith. Okay. I, I would roll with Trent Irwin before I'd roll with Noah Gray, but good luck to you. Um, yeah, no, I but feel I mean, like great, if you'd rather, I have a better option. You just give me the money. I take you out back, kick you in the nuts. We call, it a, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you guys are going to be, you guys are, are in for it. This is going to play. So plus basically plus, plus 13,000. Yeah. Plus 130 to one. Right. Uh, yeah, sure. Huge. Um, I like I, it. It's great. They're giving you bad odds on this. But that's fine. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Those are three pretty likely touchdown scorers. And then Gray is obviously not. But right, what but happens like, if you take Gray the, out? The problem is that like what are the odds they, of the... they interact with each other's touchdown probabilities. Right. And the same game parlay is not giving you that. Right. Mm. <laughs> like it's not like if one gets a touchdown, scores, the other guy's less, less likely less, yeah. to get it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so that's that's why you're getting bad odds. But you've already locked it in, so cool. And I'm totally, I'm totally good with that. Yeah. All right. That was fun, fellas. Uh, Minnesota football party. Subscribe on YouTube, Locked on Sports Minnesota. Free and available in your favorite podcast app. Luke Enman, Luke Braun, Arif Hassan, myself. The roundtable tomorrow with Ron Johnson on Locked on Sports Minnesota. It's the Minnesota football party. Thanks for watching.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.